0: We have plenty of things to keep you busy during the holiday season here in December from Geeks Under the Influence and our friends around town in Richmond, Virginia. So let's get to it. First off, of course, is Punks for Presence is back for their 14th year, and there's a bunch of shows coming your way in the Richmond area. The first night is going to be at Bandito's Burrito Lounge on the 6th of December for Punks for Presence Night 1. On the 7th of December, on Saturday, is in the morning... At another round starting at 11 o'clock is where kickstands are up. And around 1 or 2 o'clock is when the after party starts. Another round in Lakeside, Virginia. We've got the Creatures Grim Motorcycle Club toy run where they're raising up money and taking toy donations for the Children's Hospital of Richmond. So come out, bring a toy or bring some gold hard cash because we've got raffle tickets. We've got all sorts of prizes and stuff for you. And we've got yours truly, The Hobbit. Uh, doing the emceeing for the event with music by 59H20 and Kill the Druid. They were great last year, absolute blast, well worth coming out and checking out. Then later that night, we've got two different bars running Punks for Presence. We've got the Fuzzy Cactus and Boogaloos right across the street for night two of Punks for Presence in Richmond. Then on the 8th, it's an action-packed weekend of fun with the next Booze Clues Live. Doors are at 5, show starts at 6 in the Dark Room, the second floor of the Hofheimer Building in historic Scott's Edition in Richmond, Virginia. Then also on the 8th, just, just after the uh, Booze Clues is over, then head on over to the Firehouse Theater for Nativa Kitty, the holiday-themed variety show, burlesque show from our friends at Burlesque Right Meow. Then over on the 13th, the following weekend, Friday the 13th, we've got Punks for Presence Night 3 at Wonderland for a night of cover bands and craziness uh, also supporting the uh, children's hospital. Then on the 14th, Saturday, the 14th, we got the camel with night four of punks for presents. Then finally on the 19th of December, we've got gritty city for the kids, some hip hop of the camel. Then the 23rd, we are back on, on a off week uh, from trivia. Normally the 23rd of December for uh fallout trivia at fallout with geeks under the influence. Then again on the 30th, so we've got the, uh, the Christmas Eve Eve trivia, and then we've got New Year's Eve Eve trivia with Geeks Under the Influence, both at Fallout. Then we've got Busky Comedy on the 27th of December uh, with Carlton K. at Busky Cidery. Uh, I was just at the last one. Tons of great local comics doing amazing stuff, and uh, some of which you're going to see here and there at Booze Clues Live as well. We've got a, we got a few on the next bill, actually, including Carlton the uh, host of Busky Comedy. So come and check out Booze Clues. Come and check out Busky Comedy. It's a it's a great room for comedy and it's free. Then on the 31st of December, New Year's Eve, we've got the New Year's Eve Bash at Strange Ways and RVA where you can get some variety show action, some burlesque, some sexiness and enjoy ringing in the new year with Burlesque Mike Meow. And I uh, might even see a few geeks of the influence panelists and uh, and friends out there as well. So that is our list of things in December. Check your calendars, follow all this info at guipodcast.com, follow all our social media, and we'll see you at the events. The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast. You won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. Hello, geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, quotes, mashes up, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite TV shows, properties, comics, books, and all the other stuff. Stuff. And tonight is the, definitely one that uh, I think across the board is just kind of beloved by anybody that's a real fan of sci-fi. Yes. Uh, additionally, it's one that probably will get us, like, hate mail for even <laughs> suggesting playfully the <laughs> idea of it being remade. Uh, we're talking about... Alien. Now, uh, here with me, I couldn't get really anybody else of our regular panelists from the network to help me with this chore of remaking something that has no reason to be remade ever. It really doesn't. It doesn't. I've got Manda Nostromo here. Hi. Your last name because of your love of this property. Precisely.
2: I absolutely adore these movies. And you're right. There is no reason to remake it like ever, but other than just for fun.
0: (laughs) Well, that's what this is supposed to be, is just a fun mental exercise is what would this look like done a different style?
2: Yeah. Or just even, whether it's a completely different style or just a different director or, yeah. Or just, different
0: actors, just, what would they? Would the actors right. look like in that role? It's like watching those old, old footage of Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones because he would, did some yeah. uh, screen testing for it. Mm. And it's bizarre. Just yeah. to see <laughs> Indiana Jones with a mustache. It's just weird. <laughs> Little things. Little things, yeah. <laughs> so... We are talking about Alien now. Are you? Did you stick to the first Alien movies, or, or movie, or in the universe? Did you make a sequel?
2: I I stuck to the first one, and really, with everything that's already going on with that whole entire universe, with the whole Prometheus covenant, all that stuff, already kind of trying to prequel it a little bit, um, and just all the things that people are trying to do with it over the years, I just went with straight remake. That's kind of how I went as well, is that
0: there's so much confusion going into where this property is going, that it's prequels that are building up towards the first Alien movie, but it's entirely different cast and characters, and it's just really hard to keep track of. It was easier for me to just focus on one singular movie, the first movie, and see what I could do with it to kind of put... Not a new spin on it, necessarily, because I don't think it needs to be entirely different
2: no, but it really a different doesn't.
0: a slightly different uh, approach to it, I guess, with it while still maintaining the spirit because the first one is more than any of the other ones, a horror movie
2: it is. it's it's a horror movie, and it's it's just got so much it's it's got the drama to it, but it's also it's it's just straight up horror. Like you watch it because you wanted to be scared of something. Um, And the way it was done is just very different from some of the other ones like even the other ones that I love like I love aliens But it's a completely different feel it is very much more horror thriller than the other Well like
0: horror sci-fi action. I mean the, the scene of Ripley taking the wheel of the tank. Yeah and getting them out of there as they realize that they are getting utterly fucking massacred by the xenomorphs, that's yeah. that's a straight up action sequence.
2: Yeah. Aliens was way more action, whereas Alien was so subtle horror that just it was very, very slow, but Almost still borderline noir. It was it was amazing though. It was, it was just super dark and it was enough to drag you into it where like at first you're kind of like, where's this going? It's taking forever, but then you're like, shit hits the fan and it hits it fast. So it was, it was, it was good. Like, it was just solid film.
0: I see a lot of comparisons in my mind with Jaws as the Xenomorph. A lot of the time you don't see much of the Xenomorph at all. And part of that is because even though they had this massively tall skinny dude yeah. to be the Xenomorph, he still looked like a dude in a suit for the most part. Yeah. Because this was, you know, the late 70s. And right. He hadn't gotten into CGI and stuff just yet. Yeah. So... A lot of the stuff is shot in shadow, is uh, very small blips of the xenomorph, which honestly increases the scariness of his character. You see just enough to know that it's fucked up looking
2: right and it's also I don't think you really get the idea of how tall this creature is until you know you get the scene in in all the chains when they when you finally mm-hmm. get right like and you're like whoa this thing is huge like you don't realize how tall this guy was um, but I mean ultimately, even... you
0: see the little face hugger and you're like okay so this is a smaller creature yeah. that's gonna like fuck up their knees <laughs> and... <laughs> and then it just becomes something so much more oh no you're humongous
2: okay <laughs> Oh great okay you're bigger cool.
0: than a person Okay. <laughs> this is fine everything's fine Everything's so fine. (laughs) This seven or eight foot tall giant acid monster is about to kill me and my cat, but it's fine. Everything's cool. Everything's fine.
2: (laughs) But I mean, I liked that about that. I liked the shadows too. Because you're right, it did did add that darkness to it. And it's also just, it leaves... It leaves a lot of things open for your own mind to sort of fill in. What the fuck does this thing do when it's not murdering people? Like, yeah. where, does, what does it, where does it go? What does it do? What what is it just always there? I don't know. I can't tell. <laughs> does it sleep? Does it eat anything besides Other just faces? Faces, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> does faces it like to cuddle? Does it purr?
2: <laughs>
0: I need to know more about the xenomorph here.
2: <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's, it is one of those ones that it was actually as much as I love and feel feel like i have every right to talk about how much i would redo this movie it was really hard for me to sit there and figure out what i'd want to change about it or why or why would i i probably i wouldn't but
0: i well, mean and that's actually kind of thinking about it is that uh, y- y- this movie doesn't age poorly even no even the special effects is minimal as wildly old they are compared to mm-hmm. modern special effects it does it's a little aged but it's not it yeah. doesn't take you out of it at all.
2: No, it really doesn't. I mean, even thinking about, like, how we were talking about how he's wear- wearing a costume the whole time. I mean, I preferred that to a lot of the stuff I see now. Like, sure. <laughs> I just, I felt like for that particular thing. Like, even when they started switching over to, like, the more CGI alien in, like, Alien 3. Like, uh, I I mean, I preferred the original, the costume aesthetic a lot Sure. More.
0: Well, and you can kind of tell, even when it first came out, you could kind of tell that the CGI on the alien creature in 3. Mm-hmm. That was early CGI as well. It was early
2: well. CGI, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but 3 is a whole different thing. Dang. I thought about even seeing about trying to do Alien 3 as a remake because at that point, any of the hardcore Aliens fans would probably be less mad
2: Probably about that. Probably a little bit <laughs> less mad than, yeah, you're right though. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but, everything would have helped. But no, I decided to make it tough on myself. Uh The first movie... Yeah, totally. I don't think it needs to change a whole lot. There's not a whole lot that needs to be modernized to fit the the modern palette. It's got a very yeah. strong female protagonist. Yeah. Uh, so it's very progressive for 1979. Mm-hmm. And uh, there isn't a lot of like <laughs> like really fucked up like sexual stuff that happens or anything. No, nope. You see her in our tidy whities at the end. Oh, God. And nobody's mad, really, about that
2: No, nobody's all. mad about but that. But it
0: doesn't over- overly sexualize her in those uh, in the underwear, anyway, it, either. It really
2: doesn't. It's, no. It, yeah, it's not. It was never really one of those things where it was like, oh, here's their attempt to make her super sexualized. It, it didn't feel like that at all. It was just like, all right, I've done this thing. It's time to nap. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to nap about it. I'm so going to nap. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to potato. Nothing beats a nap after a long
0: day of fighting xenomorphs. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ripley. <laughs> Join me on LV426 as we... <laughs> As <laughs> we discover what it is to be truly exhausted. <laughs> so it, uh, there are movies that we've done before where we've had to change up some things just to fit the more modern mm-hmm. uh, palette, like big. Yeah. We had to change a couple little things so that it wasn't super creepy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Because yeah, <laughs> if you did the same
0: movie in modern day, big, uh, there would be some problems with mm. that storyline
2: yeah like an one. adult
0: woman having sex with a child uh <sighs> even though he was in tom hanks's body but yeah so none of that we don't have to worry about any of that we
2: really re- re- don't. that's good I'm, I'm okay with that
0: the one thing that i wanted to change plot wise and it's not even plot wise it's more just kind of maybe a little bit of lines uh, just a few lines in there to kind of change the dynamic mm-hmm. of the xenomorphs and the humans as far as Giving the aliens a little bit more credence that they're not just these, you know, vicious bloodthirsty monsters that want to kill everything around them, Mm -hmm. that it really suggests that, especially in the first movie, this is a wild animal that's caught in a cage. Yeah. with people and that's why it's killing people it's not that it's like i must murder everything <laughs> twist i uh, twist my mustache
2: <laughs> i am pure evil now i just need xenomorphs with mustaches oh my god can we please
0: <laughs> and a monocle if we could do monocle and a
2: mustache that'd be just the best ever Oh, I love it. Now, I can't stop thinking about it <laughs> so
0: that that's really the only thing that I'd want to just hammer in a little bit more is that the xenomorph itself isn't it it is a killing machine. It's like a shark, but a shark doesn't necessarily like ooh, people gotta eat it. you know yeah. it's it does when it's hungry or out of opportunity mm-hmm. or as defense but um, and just kind of treat the xenomorph m- much like my comparison with the jaws earlier, treat it kind of like jaws where you don't yeah. see it a whole lot. You don't really know what this thing looks like really until the end or mm-hmm. like in certain major scenes. And uh, it's just this wild animal that it will kill you if you get in its way.
2: Yeah, and that almost it makes me when you say that, it almost brings me back to like that scene in Aliens when Hudson was asking whether or not it was a stand-up fight or if it was another bug hunt. Like it really kind of is a, a bug hunt. Yeah. You, don't, you don't mean anything to them. They don't know what you are. You're just in their space and yeah. they're there and they're mm-hmm. going to do... Xenomorph things
0: you're in the way um, mm-hmm. or you may pose a threat and you know what it's gonna just go ahead and Eliminate the threat whether you are or not
2: did we just start off by just sympathizing with Xenomorphs. Yeah, we've just yes, <laughs> that, we absolutely that yeah, sh- yeah. I gotta change my entire sheet now
0: <laughs> <laughs> Now you are still siding with the humans because ultimately these are wild animal killing machines And you kind of feel bad for the fe- and I want to keep it in that more gray area of morality on on that mm-hmm. These things will kill you if you don't kill them first right but they, they don't, they're not evil, you know, no. they're not you don't portray them as these evil creatures that are, you know, killing just they for fun. They
2: don't have an alignment. They, no. They're, they're just there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just
0: chaotic neutral. Uh, uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really all I want to make sure to hammer home is that you kind of feel for these animals a little bit. Yeah. Just because they, they are doing what they were born to do. They're predators, you know, they're or not actual predators because uh, no, they fight no. those. Can, can,
2: can't confuse that. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's that's different. That's a different, that's different entirely, different thing entirely. Um, they,
0: I did not turn them into predators in this. Oh, they um, already
2: tried that and it was not good. It was not. <laughs> it was not even no. a little good. Oh.
0: oh. <laughs> All right. So for the plot, you're keeping yours pretty much the same.
2: Mine's pretty much the same. Yeah, I just kind of changed up um, people more or less. And, okay. And who I kind of wanted to see do it, and that was that was super hard. Enough. I was like, I can't even play with the plot. I will. My brain will explode. So. <laughs> Yeah, I was even thinking about, like, changing the
0: power dynamic a little bit or anything, mm. but that movie is just, like, it's so well done and nuanced at this point that it's the not initially believing that the threat is that bad. Yeah. And then it coming to realization and then the slow build, like, I I don't think any notes that I would take would improve that. So, yeah. or modernize or whatever. It's unnecessary to change. So Yeah,
2: yeah, I agree.
0: So just totally just uh, being able to sympathize a little bit more with the Xenomorphs is uh, tonally is kind of all I'm approaching with, so. Okay. So for your serious version, your version you think might work, uh, who do you have directing this bad boy? This is tough.
2: So it was really tough, and I went with kind of a strange choice, but I went with it because of who I recast in some of my roles. I,
0: I did somewhat similar to, And it,
2: it kind of helped me a little bit. So oddly enough, I, of all people, you, you wouldn't have even guessed it, I went with Pete Travis. Pete Travis. Dread. Oh shit!
0: <laughs> you know we'd have not used him a whole lot as a director, and he's f- fantastic. Know, and
2: that's the thing is, like, I, I feel like Pete Travis is really not that well known for us anyway. Like Pete Travis, he has he has dread that he did in, like what 2012, something like
0: that. Yeah. Um.
2: So that was that was probably the thing that he's most well known for. But he also did uh the movie Vantage Point, um, which oddly enough actually had Sigourney Weaver in it. <laughs> Um, and she played, like, a random... I think she worked as, like a news anchor or something like that. And Vantage Point, all that was was like some drama where it was a crime drama, basically, where it was oh, attempted assassination. It. They just showed it from different perspectives. Perspectives, yeah, yeah which I, I tend to like a lot in movies anyway. But I also, Dread, I liked the tone of that movie. I liked the darkness of it. I liked the grittiness of it. And for some reason, I really wanted that grittiness applied to the Nostromo. I like that. Yeah. Well, the
0: Nostromo is gritty anyway. It's, it I, is. I love those sci-fi space movies like firefly an alien yeah. where everything's lived in.
2: Yeah. You know, it's
0: <laughs> rusty or kind of beat down a little bit. Yeah. Doesn't work exactly perfectly. You know, I love that. Absolutely mm. love it.
2: And it was just kind of a strange choice, I think, mainly because like I said, not many people like they'll do the same thing. You say Pete Travis like Pete Travis. Why do I kind of know that name? Um so it was just something kind of different, but it, I kind of got taken in that direction when I was trying to think Of cast because I've had this conversation with people millions of times about who would I recast and people would ask well If you had to pick somebody now to play Ripley, who would you pick? That's and it's hard Yeah, and it ended up actually kind of lending my decision a little bit when I started thinking about the cast itself All right Well,
0: let me let me tell you who I chose for a director and then we can get into the all-important. Who is your Ripley? so (laughs) for my director, I wanted somebody that could really show the humanism uh, of, of the crew Mm -hmm. And also the breakdown on not quite Lord of the Fly style breakdown, but just like the the breakdown in leadership a little bit, not really knowing what to do in this emergency situation, uh, that falling apart, while also kind of showing the, the, uh, for lack of a better term, human side of the xenomorphs, Mm -hmm. where there are just these wild animals. They're not evil. Uh, So somebody that really is able to develop characters really well, especially in high tension situations. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to kind of go with a Brit, Okay. Also, because it you know there is something about Ridley Scott being a Brit that really pushes through in the original Alien movie. Yeah, you you have notes of that. Um, and whether it be just the casting that he did, mm-hmm. where there was a mix of American and mm-hmm. British actors, yeah. but um, it just I think the pacing.
2: Yeah, was very British. Yeah, it was,
0: and I I wanted a director that kind of had that as well, and so I decided to go with a director that I'm a huge fan of and has done. Sci-fi has done horror has done dr- just straight drama mm-hmm. and uh we're talking Danny Boyle wow, okay, yeah, weird choice there, but I think it wouldn't
2: lean on it being a like technical sci-fi element right. so much
0: as really just exploring the the uh emotions of the scenes,
2: yeah, which makes sense for what you're going for exactly yeah, I can see that okay
0: and uh, of course he is the director of twenty eight days later uh his horror. Action, I, no more yeah. horror drama. I will,
2: Yeah, it's a little, a little both.
0: Uh, Sunshine, which yeah. is a sci-fi film that I deeply love. Hey, there are some problematic things in the science <laughs> there, but uh, it's still always fun.
2: Problematic things in the science.
0: He did 127 hours, Steve Jobs, Slung Dog Millionaire, The Beach, mm. like all a ton, a ton of movies. Uh, Train spotting.
2: Oddly enough, I always forget about The Beach. I don't know why. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> I didn't like it when it first came out, but that's when I was hating on e- DiCaprio pretty hard.
2: Yeah. I, I just don't, I think that's one of those ones that I have to watch again to re, really see if I can, if I appreciate it. Because I didn't really like it much when it came out either, but it, I think it was more, I was just, I don't even remember what year that came out.
0: Like, um, I want to say it was early, maybe early, like 2000, maybe? Yeah. Something I don't know. like that.
2: I, I feel like maybe I just wasn't in the right place at the time to sure. really appreciate that movie. <laughs> so okay. I, I
0: thought I'd give him a shot at, uh, Kind of putting a little bit, of, not spirituality, but soul, yeah, into the original Alien plot. Yeah, and seeing you know, oh, the warm soul in the coldness of space, or some <laughs> artistic bullshit like yeah. that. So yeah, <laughs> okay. So for your uh, your Ripley, Ripley. Let, let's let's set the tone right. You've got uh, the director of Tread
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> doing
0: a uh, sci-fi horror, maybe a little bit of action.
2: Yeah, a little bit of action, maybe that kind of like. Just broken down societal, just
0: dystopian, dystopian. Yeah, you know, I am okay. With oh, for sure. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> but some of my cast goes together really strangely because of that. But I had reasons for picking all of them. Okay. Um. So for Ripley, I went with Lena Headey. Okay. Because mainly, as Mama in Dread, like she was just the ultimate badass. Oh hell yeah! Could be completely unhinged, which you don't really get that with Ripley. She never really becomes. She never really becomes unhinged, and she's not sinister like Mama is, but just that ability to be a complete badass and just run shit and know what you have to do and just do it, I loved about the character. And really, like, even the aesthetic. Like, I was just trying to think, when I was just trying to think, who would I even cast that aesthetically even makes me think remotely of Ripley? And obviously she doesn't when she's not in, like, Game of Thrones, but, like, As Mama, where she's got that gritty kind of just Mm -hmm. hardened look to her, which not an alien so much does Ripley have that. And she doesn't ever get quite so gritty. But in my version, she does. Um, But just that ability to just take everything into control and be able to get people to follow you and have people that will cover your ass because they just they're gonna. Yeah, I loved about her. Um. So for some reason, just aesthetically and and well, just her, her that ability, features are,
0: are sharper as well. which, are. You know, we got from uh, Sigourney as well. Yeah, yeah. So, and
2: even just trying to think of somebody that I would just like seeing in that role for whatever reason, I she just stuck out to me.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mm-hmm. dig it. Yeah. <laughs> I went uh, a slightly different path uh, aesthetically. I did want sharper features. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted somebody that had that kind of lanky mm-hmm. kind of look. Uh, but also, additionally, I wanted someone that, um, you know, in the first movie, at least, Ripley isn't this, like, beastie badass so no, much. not yet. She's very much womanly. She's mm-hmm. just a normal, very attractive lady. Yep. <laughs> but albeit a little lanky, I wanted someone that was uh, maybe more approaching androgynous. Okay. Uh, mainly because Ripley, there was conversation about whether it should be a male or a female actor that played Ripley in the original
2: I'm really curious because I feel like I know where you're going, which yeah. means it's going to be interesting later. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I I wanted somebody that you know could kind of uh, play you know, a,
2: a feminine but still
0: androgynous in in the approach to the character and also with a lot of darker scenes mm-hmm. and the xenomorphs being all black like oily black. Mm-hmm. I wanted an, an actress that was maybe very pale uh blonde contrast. you know yeah very hard contrast artistic contrast. you're going very artsy yeah well i mean danny boyle he does know, that shit even I, in his I horror love movies it. and I stuff i love it though so <laughs> i went with uh, tilda swinton yes as my ripley and i think her playing it a little more wispy still powerful still mm-hmm. in charge still able to make on the second decisions that, that mm-hmm. are gonna you know save or destroy them kind of stuff but just a little bit more maybe acrobatic or
2: that's so interesting to me, and we'll talk about why later. But okay. it is very interesting to me. Okay, I, I like it. It's working so well. <laughs>
0: it's, it's definitely a different approach to the character a little bit, but I don't think it takes away any of the power of the character. No, it doesn't.
2: Ever. And I actually like that you went with the aesthetic contrast. Yeah. Today's word is aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's the toilet paper word of the day. Apparently. You
2: know? <laughs>
0: so next up I've got uh, Dallas, who was originally <sighs> played by Tom Skerritt. That was so hard for me
2: because that I was know, tough. I know in my heart what I wanted to do. <laughs> Because I've always told people that if I was just going to recast Dallas, I would go Kurt Russell all the way. Yeah. Because I, I mean, you think about the thing and all, like, it just coming around the same time, I was like, oh, I would, I always kind of wanted to recast Kurt Russell as Dallas just to see how that would go. But I didn't go that route here because... Well, that's too easy. Yeah. Um. So I started trying to think of people that could be in charge that are kind of endearing. They're a little bit rough around the edges, mm-hmm. um. But overall, they're witty. They're they're kind of still funny. They have their moments. Um. And they're people that you you can care about and enjoy. Because I mean, everybody's bummed when Dallas dies. Sure. Everybody was super like, oh, well, because no. he's gruff, but he's
0: that like. Gruffy teddy bear, you know, like yeah. like that, you know that deep down he like really gives a shit about his crew He's oh, genuinely a good person. Yeah, just kind of a little bit. Yeah, rough around the edges And
2: I I wanted to see I think more just because I I always feel this way about this particular actor anyway And again, this one's probably the one that doesn't really necessarily Mesh as well as some of the other ones only because it seems like an odd fit for the director but I went with Robert Downey jr. It's okay. a really weird choice. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm, I'm, you think of him as being like, he's been like a charismatic leader before. We've seen him do that and shit like Iron Man. Obviously, he actually cares about people but doesn't want people to know, but he'll love them 3,000. And sure. it's super like heartwarming at times. Yeah. But I kind of almost want to see what you could do with him in a grittier setting done by Pete Travis in that sort of harsh dystopian thing, but still make him that, character that you kind of kind of really want to just make it but doesn't yeah (laughs) so yeah i kind of want to see where that went so yeah he has the acting chops
0: for sure to be able to pull that off but he hasn't done quite that type of role before. he hasn't and i want to see yeah yeah, and that's kind of that was more
2: like a curiosity like i want to see like i've seen him do the leadership roles i've seen him do some more serious roles but it's i kind of want to see put in that situation because he is pretty versatile so, I kind of want to see what he would do in that setting as that leadership character that's also just kind of like we're just trying to get home i we weren't even supposed to be here today, yeah yeah <laughs> sort of <laughs> sort of feel about it, um, but you still kind of want him to pull through <laughs> okay, so, I dig it
0: i yeah, I'm interested to see how he would play that that kind of role,
2: yeah, it was a weird one. it was a really weird one. I've and got I, some
0: weird choices I, as well
2: I, I i I took a chance on that one, but I, I think it I think it could do okay. <laughs> I with mine overall I think
0: for Dallas there is that like underlying where he's kind of really nice at his core mm-hmm. and really gives a shit at his core but he's yeah. got this kind of gruff sensibility about him um this actor has played that kind of character but kind of the opposite where he mm-hmm. comes off as kind of nice and and you know approachable and friendly but there's this kind of like underlying like uh, ah,
2: or just a man. big
0: old doofy like weirdo that okay. that's lovable so hmm. he's played varying Levels of this type of character before, and okay. I'm I think he would be able to fit in pretty well, and is a you know incredibly well known actor that I think would be able to step in, and has also worked on uh, set with Danny before on the set of Steve Jobs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: First, I was thinking about <laughs> who played Steve Jobs, but he's already been <laughs> in alien movies. That so <laughs> would just be like,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, I went with Jeff Daniels.
2: Okay, <laughs> yeah.
0: you're talking about a weird choice. That's kind of a
2: a okay. weird choice
0: as well uh he's been you know in steve jobs he was a little harder line personality in looper he was a gang king yeah guy. he was
2: yeah okay so i see what you mean with like the underlying Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: even in looper for example he comes off as very like nice and yeah. easy to get along with but there is that like i will murder you
2: yeah yeah make no mistake it's it's cool
0: uh the martian he was the boss mm-hmm. in the martian uh he was have you ever seen paper man
2: I don't think I have seen Paper Man.
0: It's an indie movie with him and Ryan Reynolds, and he's a struggling writer whose imaginary friend is a superhero played okay. by Ryan Reynolds in like a Superman looking outfit.
2: I am sold already. Yeah,
0: it is utterly adorable. And it plays this like deeply tragic kind of borderline Paul Giamatti-ish character. I like Paul Think like Sideways or... Um, what was the one Paul Giamatti did about the comic book artist? Uh, American Splendor? Uh, yeah that kind of character he plays in it and just very curmudgeonly and like kind of shitty but (laughs) ultimately like you know that he means really well and so Okay. yeah I I think it'd be kind of fun to see what he would do as this like lovable curmudgeon uh, Dallas.
2: Okay yeah Yeah. I like it. I like it.
0: (laughs) Next one up I have is uh, I was trying to remember any of the nuances of the character for Lambert Uh. (laughs) and all I can remember is just like upset (laughs)
2: <laughs> was... yeah just kind of generally whiny yeah. Um, yeah I had a really hard time casting her too because I just hated Lambert I hated her a lot and so I, I <laughs> put a little bit of a slight change to the <clears throat> archetype Okay.
0: Uh, on this but uh, who did you get for Lambert who did so you...
2: for Lambert I actually ended up going with uh, based on things I'd seen more, more recently I was going who the hell just whines all the time that doesn't completely throw off the whole feel of what I'm doing. And I went through it and actually decided on Sarah Paulson, which you would know from- Okay, American yeah, 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 great actress. Yeah, she's a great actress, but I've seen her play that super whiny, everything is just miserable type, especially in America. There's an entire season of that with her <laughs> and I just could not, and I was like, man, it irked me in very much the same way that Lambert did. Like the, just that, oh God, like you could actually maybe do something or you could cry about it. That's cool too. That's also an option. But I mean, she is, she is an enjoyable actress. Like I've seen her in things and I like her in a lot of the stuff she's in, but just having seen her done that, like do that level of whiny that just got under my skin. I was like, that's perfect. (laughs) So I ended up going with Sarah Paulson for that one.
0: Nice. I, uh, instead of going whiny, I went more like the spooked mousy kind of okay. approach. Yeah. Which is like real freaked out about the whole situation, very like painfully shy. Okay. kind of character so instead of being whiny so much it's just like so not into it mm. which i can deal with way better than whiny yeah i agree if it's, just, <laughs> if it's like i'm so not into this it's like oh hon do you need a hug
2: like <laughs> it's it
0: okay. it's gonna be okay it be all right if it's like this is stupid like jump out of an airlock <laughs> i can't
2: <laughs> just just buttons push them
0: <laughs> so for i wanted someone that could play that kind of mousy very shy character really well and also additionally you know i wanted to kind of mix up the cast a little bit not just be a bunch of white folk Um, And I know that Danny Boyle casts a lot of Indian actors and actresses in his Mm -hmm. stuff, especially after Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. Really built relationships out there. Yeah. Incorporated a lot more Indian actors and actresses. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Bollywood's like rife. Yeah. Um, But like, let's get some, some like non-white people in there. Okay. Um, And Mm -hmm. I decided to go actually with an an American actress, but, um, and is comedic actress primarily. Okay. But as a played and kind of comes off as this very mousy, shy Actress, I'm thinking Kate Michucci, who's known from being in Garfunkel and Oates. Okay, Uh, she was also in The Little Hours. If you have seen that movie, yes,
2: I have. (laughs) Okay, that's that's an interesting one. But I like it. I get the mousy that as opposed to a as really smart
0: to, scientist lady that yeah. you know knows her shit and is very good at it but is just like can is not there for conflict yeah <laughs>
2: yeah and that's that's kind of how i felt about sarah paulson too i was like she always comes off as a character that is good as what, uh, what she's good at but she just just do something she just can't just, just can't, can't even can't even <laughs>
0: so i thought she's she's played that Kind of role mainly. That's usually yeah, what she does. Yeah. And she's adorable. Yeah. And I think it would be interesting to kind of put her in that kind of role, in a serious role. Like so, that.
2: yeah, you made you made Lambert less annoying. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Still
0: okay. hits all the notes that the character needs to hit in the yeah. story, but in a, just a slightly like different way. Like, you get
2: she's not the tough one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's
0: still playing the type of archetype that she needs yeah. to play. Yeah. Okay. So, um, that brings us to Ah uh, Brett. <laughs> Harry Dean Motherfucking Stanton. I
2: love Harry Dean Stanton.
0: I love him so much. <laughs> he's been in every movie that's ever happened, mm-hmm. and he
2: really has. He's that person. You're like, oh, that guy. You mean Harry Dean Stanton? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, but he's awesome. He's been in everything. And One he's... of my
0: favorite moments in the theater was when I went and saw the Avengers and I was already juiced up super hard. <laughs> yes. And then there's a scene where Hulk falls from the Just sky so and lands like... and there's Harry Dean Stanton like... as like a security guard being like, you were butt naked. <laughs> <laughs> Just it was being him. so good. <laughs> and I swear he wears the same hat in every movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, he really ever. does. And I am totally okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I actually really liked Brett. He was... He was enjoyable as he a was, character. He was a little bit of a weirdo and he, he kind of
0: kept to himself a little bit. He just had his cat and he was happy.
2: Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was thinking of when I chose for him yep. and it's also somebody again seems a little strange but I I actually am really okay with who I picked for for Brett. Okay. And I went with Tom Wheats. Wow <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I like that yeah I went with I went with Tom Waits cuz I mean he's done the weird
0: outsider thing before or like that's just him he like, really has I just,
2: mean I think I think people are most familiar well, right now I would say they're probably most familiar with him from probably Buster Scruggs has been one of the more recent things but sure. if you think about it I mean if you go all the way back to Dracula as Renfield, yeah, <laughs> like I mean, he's again one of those people who's actually pretty versatile as an actor. Yeah, but a lot of people don't realize goofy that goofy
0: weirdo mad scientist and yeah. mystery man. Yeah, he was the devil in Imaginarium of yeah. Doctor Parnassus. He's
2: he's been in so many things, and he's just he was Tom Waits in was, uh, Coffee and was, Cigarettes. He was Tom Waits in Coffee and <laughs> Cigarettes, and then he was also in um, Have you seen Have you watched The Dead Don't Die yet? Yes, yes, yeah, I have. yeah. How he was, yeah, he was, uh, what was it, Hermit Bob? Yeah, oh, he was <laughs> so good. I loved him as Hermit Bob. Um, but he's just one of those weird kind of people. But I felt like in this particular setting, he would work really well in that dingy kind of dystopian feel, oh, but still man. being kind of like endearing and just wants to be like his own person and just be left the fuck alone. Oh
0: man, that's so good. <laughs> it's like. Jack Black in uh, High Fidelity is like,
2: oh, that's so good. That should have been mine. <laughs> no, I had thought of it, settled on it, could not see it as anything yeah, else no, the that's, minute that it hit me. I that's was really
0: sorry. good. I'm very happy with that for, for you because uh, that's not who I have. I'm happy with mine as well. I think mine's a good casting, but not Tom Waits. For Brett, I wanted uh, an actor that could come off as just kind of like a... Does his own thing doesn't mm-hmm. really give a shit if people like it or not is not mean necessarily but yeah. just kind of definitely just his own person yeah um and had kind of like the grimy kind of look if you know what i mean just kind of like uh-huh. he's he's been a working man yeah <laughs> for a lot of yeah. his life that kind of look and i went with an actor that's been in train spotting he was in the beach uh he was also in full monty 28 weeks later ravenous is the cannibal mm-hmm. guy robert carlisle he was Big B wow. in Train Spotting. He was the the cannibal guy in Ravenous. He was the dad in 28 Weeks okay. Later.
2: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah,
0: so, and I could see him as just like this gruff little maintenance dude with his cat. Yeah, that's just, that's,
2: that's still a pretty solid choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I, would, I, think, I, I would not have even thought about it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, well, I
0: was <laughs> thinking about Big B. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, he was also in 28 Weeks Later, which is funny that he wasn't in yep. the Danny Boyle 28 yep. Days Later, but he's in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> But he was also in The Beach, so yeah, it just made sense.
2: All right. Okay. I like it.
0: Now, the next one is Kane, played mm-hmm. by the immortal John Hurt. Oh, uh, yeah. The man that was destined to die in every movie he was in. <laughs> he,
2: he, he was. Yeah. yeah. He and Sean Beach should be friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can't
0: now. He played uh, Winston <laughs> Smith in 1984. Mm-hmm. He was the um fascist dictator dude in V for Vendetta. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's always... Been the guy that has the gravitas of the role. He, yeah, he comes off very classically trained. He well, is well spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got like real weight to his to his voice, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and just, just kind of bleeds intelligence. Like you just, the character just has this mist of just pure intelligence that comes with him. Yeah, a lot he of the really time. does.
2: He does. But and I mean, and then an alien, Kane. I mean, he comes off as kind of arrogant and. Like he, he comes off yeah. definitely like he like he's he's good with everything and he knows everything. It's fine. Like I'm just it everything's fine. Um he comes off as yeah, definitely a little bit arrogant. Yeah. So I, I I took that into consideration with my choice for him. And um again, I just kind of went with somebody who's like I wanted somebody who I've seen in that kind of dystopian role or um but has a little bit of that, huh? I, I got it. It's fun, everything's fine, yeah. I know what's going on. So I went with Jude Law. Jude Law, okay, Jude Law, yeah, yeah, so, I can definitely um, see that. Jude Law, um, you think like AI, where he was Gigolo Joe, yeah. um, <laughs> so he can definitely be like sort of a what? Yeah. Um, but he, I felt like fit well um, in that whole dystopian setting. But I also wanted him to have a touch of that. Seems like he's probably an intelligent person. Like he also think about him like in Sherlock as as Watson. Sure. Yeah, so I mean, he's got that intelligent sort of feel to him, but he fits well in that gritty kind of dystopian world i think so i went with you' law for that nice mm-hmm. i uh had,
0: did a kind of a a weird take on this one as well uh just because i wanted to i i didn't want like a carbon copy necessarily but yeah. i did want it to still kind of hold to the spirit a little bit so i did want yeah somebody that's very sure of themselves mm-hmm. that just feels all the characters they play as being deeply intelligent yeah and that you kind of root for the character but also it's less like this person needs to also get kind of a, a wake-up call sometimes yeah. that they're yeah don't realize how much of a dick they can be sometimes Mm -hmm. because they're so focused on the science or whatever it is. Yeah. And a actor that has worked with Danny Boyle before, uh, he was the star of um, Slumdog Millionaire. He's been in Lion, Chappie, the best exotic marigold hotel. Mm -hmm. He's maybe a little bit more lovable than John Hurt was as Kane. (sighs) Um, But he can come off as this like definitely driven, you know, intelligent Mm -hmm. person that's gonna, you know, that maybe... Gets into hot water because... Because of his...
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Is, yeah, and uh, so I went with Dev Patel. Nice. Great actor. I like it. And has worked with Danny Boyle before. I'm sure would do an amazing job, even though John Hurt's role is... uh, lived have
2: lived like
0: he dies, but even before <laughs> then, there's just like some shit on his face. Yeah. While, so yeah. there's not a whole lot that needs to be done there.
2: Yeah, and that's I think another reason why I had a hard I had a hard time with him because I was like I want somebody who comes across that would fit in that setting or has been seen in that setting before, but I know they're not going to last very long or say very much either. So it's yeah, it was. so, it was so it's kind of eh. that was a good choice though. Yeah, I like it.
0: I like Dev Patel. All
2: right.
0: Next up, and this is a tough one for me. Uh, we've got Ash, yeah, played by Ian Holm
2: mm-hmm.
0: as the uh, the rogue android.
2: Yeah, so this is where I said that this is going to be funny for me later. Okay, because I actually gender bent this one. Nice, okay. <laughs> because I wanted somebody who had the air of being just kind of unintentionally creepy, um, okay, or had the ability to do that without really doing anything. To deserve it. They just seemed off. And I went through so many people in my head, and then I just decided I was like, I actually kind of want a woman to do this. Okay. So for Ash, I went with Tilda Swinton. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, because I wanted to see, again, she would seem sort of out of place with the rest of the cast. Sure. Ash kind of did too. Like yeah. he just something about him, he seemed off. And I mean, just having seen her in roles where. She just like think if you think about her in something like um Constantine where she played Gabriel where she didn't really do anything and actually Gabriel was who I was thinking of
0: that and the um the Snow Queen or the Frost Queen from Chronicles of Narnia yeah yeah but when I was thinking about her as like the hard contrast in like artistic that's contrast so with...
2: weird because that's exactly what I was thinking I was like she didn't really do anything that was immediately just. Disturbing, but there's just something where you're like, I, I don't really want to mess with her either. Yeah. So, and I thought it would be kind of an interesting scene between her and Ripley cast the way it was to see how that scene would go. Well, and that's funny that
0: because I also casted my Ash thinking about how that scene uh-huh. would go with Tilda Swinton as Ripley. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wow.
2: This is, why, <laughs> so, this is yeah. why it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's why exactly. It's
0: just, uh, oftentimes, <laughs> there's either the same casting or there's just like polar opposite mm-hmm. casting, kind of like what we're doing now. Yeah. Or it makes it so fun to just look at things from a different perspective on yeah. why we're casting it the way we are. But mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see, you know, Tilda Swinton is a very... Uh, fe- her features are very hers. They are. <laughs> and so... They are. Therefore, if played to that uh, it can come off as kind of like contrasting to the rest of the crew for sure yeah
2: Yeah. and i mean it's not even like she necessarily does anything that sinister it's just she has that ability that if she wants you i I feel like she's one of those actresses that if she wants you to feel a certain way she's going to make sure you feel that way and she's going to do it very very subtly yeah and i liked that about her for that role okay Think about Look, androids and
0: well, I'm even thinking about maybe the way that the android was played in uh, in Prometheus and yeah, uh, oh, where, where it's that kind of like cunning that yeah. comes with it as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I could
0: see her playing that mm-hmm. very well. Uh, for my Ash, I wanted to go with an actor that uh, would come off kind of cold. Okay, that you know isn't very emotionally driven, and sometimes that might come off as like Ian Holm kind of played it, where it was it, it was calculated, but it wasn't good or evil yeah it was just it necessary for the main programming mm-hmm. or whatever or it's yeah. under programming and i wanted a character that played that but it came off kind of almost intimidating mm-hmm. because of the look of the character but also additionally because without humanity without emotion without feeling without feeling there that coldness is like and with feeling being a major conversation point in this version mm-hmm. i wanted ash to come off as just like really intimidating and cold okay. um, and, and unintentionally where none of the moves are come off as being intentionally shitty. Okay, It's just the complete lack. And so it's kind of like the human side approaching almost the xenomorph. Okay. Um, the, you know, the human version of a xenomorph almost, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I went with an actor that in, is incredible and has been emotional in roles, but a lot of the time plays like either a villain or just a very, like, motivated, um, like, driven character, even when he's a good guy, went with Mark Strong. Okay. If you're unfamiliar, he was the tech guru guy in The Kingsman. Yeah. He was uh, the villain in Shazam. He was the bad guy in Sunshine. Yeah. Even though you never really su- saw him super close up. He was in Sherlock Holmes as a bad guy. He was the bad guy mm-hmm. in Kick-Ass. Like, he plays the
2: bad guy a lot. He does. Yeah. But, I mean, he does it well. And you're he does come off as... he He has the... Yeah, I can see that. There's not a whole lot of emotion there sometimes. He's not flippant
0: with his emotions in the roles. He's not like flipping out and flipping table. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that bad I'm gonna get that Batman. You know, he's not
2: that kind of character. Yeah, he's like the calm kind of Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And that's kinda where I went with with Tilda Swinton too is like she has that ability to be like calm but still somehow like I don't know. She just I liked it. Yeah.
0: And also I'm just thinking also of kind of big brutish kind of movements, Mm -hmm. kind of heart-jerking motions, you know, early era android.
2: Yeah, when he like starts to lose it. And then
0: seeing kind of this wispy Tilda Swinton kind of being Mm -hmm. crushed under the boot kind of thing and her being able to break away, but Mm -hmm. it's like this unstoppable force that she's fighting against. Yeah. It would be an interesting uh,
2: struggle. I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And then finally, the last character that we have here for our series is... uh, parker played by yafik kato koto K- kato i think kato kato yeah I think. and adorable every he, he was mm. one of my favorite characters in there because he was just like he was working man he, he was, was he was just there to do his thing
2: yep he was and the, i mean he also came across like as the movie went on he was one of the stronger characters for sure as well yeah. like i mean he comes off as kind of light-hearted but he becomes one of there's stronger characters in the movie. He kind of, he's one of the last few there with Lambert. He keeps his shit together enough. when other people can't. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I liked that about him. Um, so for this one, I thought a little bit more about my director, and I thought a little bit more about kind of crossing personalities for this particular actor, but sure. I stuck with Carl Urban for for, okay. a, for a Pete Travis movie. But I was thinking more like a cross between like, I don't know, somewhere between like Billy Butcher from The Boys style meets, yeah. meets like Star Trek Bones. So like somewhere in there, yeah. that kind of mixture of Carl Urban, because he can be that tough, can handle himself kind of guy, but he's also like, he's pretty smart. He can think his way through some stuff. And I mean, I'm thinking more of that than, than necessarily the Dread specific route. That's almost like a little too rough, I think, sure. for Parker. But if you kind of mix that, with some of his other characters, I think he could pull it off really well, because he could be sort of endearing, because Billy Butcher's definitely sort of endearing. That's funny, because I actually thought of the two main
0: casting that this actor has had for mine, mm-hmm. and if you did a perfect combination of the two, yeah. it would be Parker.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt with him. I was like, it, Dread by itself, no, that doesn't work. And I was like, but all the other things that he's done and having worked with Pete Travis before, yeah, I think it would be good in the setting, but you'd have to kind of mix those personalities a little bit.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. I went with an actor that has only done a couple roles, uh, major roles, mm-hmm. and loved both of them very much. Mm-hmm. I think as an immensely talented actor that can come off as very like intimidating and also lovable. hmm can be really fun but also, you know, stand up and and take care of business when it needs to be taken care of. Okay. I went with uh Winston Duke. Nice. Who played uh he was in Black Panther as uh-huh. M'Baku. Yeah. Uh, he was the dad in Us. Uh-huh. And so the combination of those two I roles, really it's liked kind of him in that movie. He was really good in that movie. He was <laughs> So lovably, he was a dorky dad.
2: He really was, it like was super great.
0: dorky dad. But then he, when shit hit the fan, he's like, "Nope, we got to take care of my family." Like, yeah, and and broke bad a little bit. Yeah, he so. did
2: a little bit. It was it was fun. I yeah, could, I could totally see that.
0: So just the combination of like, like umbako meets like the dad yeah. from Us. Like the combination, it's like that's pretty close to Parker that at that is. point. That is, pretty good. Yeah,
2: yeah, I like that, and I I did really like him in Us, and he was he was. The right combination where he eventually he just did what he had to do. And, yep. and Parker was very much the same way. Yep. Yeah. I like that.
0: Sweet. So that is our uh, choices for our serious roles. Now we've got our re- re- remix <laughs> that we got to do now, which is us just kind of approaching the story, the, the, the property, the IP from a perspective that may not be your first
2: thought. <laughs> to approach it that way. Or second, or third. Or eighth, yeah. <laughs> this might be
0: something that maybe will, or ma- maybe likely will only exist on this show, but it's a nice little thought piece <laughs> to think about what it would look like to have uh, Alien done in this fashion. So for your remix, is this going to be gritty thriller? Is this going to be Vaudevillian? Like, what what are we doing here? What's your...
2: More like... I don't want to say a straight-up comedy. It wouldn't really be a comedy. It would be a very dark comedy, mainly because of my director. Okay. So um, I think once you once you know the director, you'll know exactly what kind of movie it would be. Okay. Still, the setting would probably be very similar. The ship would probably look different. Um, <laughs> okay. But um, similar, similar sort of thing, but it would just be a, a very different tone to mine.
0: Okay. I mean I'm deeply intrigued.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean you'll you'll so I mean do you, you yeah. Want to yeah, tell you let's, the let's, already? let's get it. All right. So I went with Quentin Tarantino. Okay. <laughs> if he's gonna do Trek, he might as well do Alien <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I went with Quentin Tarantino, which I mean, obviously Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, yeah. Hateful Eight Django, all that stuff. I I'm sure everybody knows Quentin Tarantino.
0: And then the casting list, it's just like laid out before you at that it point. It really was. Yeah, it was like picking easy. and choosing
2: and maybe throwing in a couple random people. Okay and it was it still took a lot because I yeah. had to sit there and think about, oh, man, like this person would be great here, but also there. And uh, oh, but I just think it's a different kind of gritty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Just, just a bit. It's 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 a different kind of gritty. And it has that potential to be funny without really needing to be. But also they're just in the middle of all this shit. And how are you going to deal with it? Like it's all going to it's all going to fall to hell either way.
0: And that dialogue is going to be amazing. It
2: is going to be. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs>
0: All right, my choice is not uh, Tarantino. Uh, this was maybe the weirdest uh, direction I've gone so far. Okay, with a film. Okay, <laughs> uh, because there is really only one way that this film is going to be done with these this directing team. Okay, on there, I went with Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. Now, if you're unfamiliar with who they are, they are responsible for such films as and shows as uh, Space 1999 ufo captain scarlet and the mysterians and uh the most well known for thunderbirds
2: Uh, i'm
0: doing a marionette alien movie
2: okay yeah we've both gone a little weird so i normally
0: don't (laughs) do like animated versions of and the like because then it doesn't really matter as far as the casting goes but with marionettes they're going to be very much done voice wise and also kind of like all of it done the even the facial features are going to be similar to the I, Actor I so just
2: really need a marionette xenomorph now like that's yeah. a thing. I need And
0: be, I, instead of going with like trey parker who did the directing on team america that was a direct homage to thunderbirds, right? Um, I decided to keep it where Thunderbirds was funny because it was played straight right where the funniness was it, it being marionettes <laughs> doing it So I wanted to play alien straight like shot for shot done the same exact way same attitude everything but with fucking dolls
2: i love it <laughs> <laughs> i love it a
0: lot <laughs> um but also having comedic actors involved okay that, um that can play it straight but you know those comedic actors that even when they're playing it straight there's just this like smirking kind of undertone to everything that they say okay to just put it over the top
2: i'm really curious to see where this is yeah. <laughs> all right
0: so let's let's just throw the hammer down on our casting here who do you have for your uh, ripley
2: so for Ripley, again, I wanted somebody who uh, had a softer side but could also be a badass. Um, she has worked with Tarantino before, most notably uh, in Hateful Eight. I went with Jennifer Jason Lee. Ooh, I like it. I love uh, her too. Daisy. I do. Um, Daisy Domergue um, <laughs> in Hateful Eight. But then she you also see her in the show Atypical, where she's like this really loving mom yep. who's like – totally into taking care of her family or children so you know she's got that softer side but then she can also just lose her shit and i'm thinking of her like some of the scenes between the crew like especially when they're talking about the bonus situation is like why don't you just fuck off like i could totally just see jennifer jason lee owning like the moments of slight slight times where you see ripley really get irritated yeah um with tarantino dialogue i think it'd be great also with Jennifer Jason Lee and I don't
0: know if I've ever actually said this out loud before or not but she does something that is like adorable and kind of attractive that is normally not seen as adorable or attractive mm. is that she has like borderline just pre lisp yeah when she says well she she it, it's I can't even do it where yeah, it's just this like the softness of some of her, her words it comes off kind of like she's not a full lisp, but maybe she's worked past it being the hard s but it's still li- a little bit apparent
2: yeah and it's
0: kind of amazing and adorable and i love it
2: yeah i i i think she'd be i think she'd be pretty all right at it and, yeah. and she does she does cut it's one of those things like her voice is very noticeable and like especially as daisy domer do, like her voice was perfect yeah and you weren't really sure if she was on the cusp of like kind of drunk all the time or if it's just <laughs> kind of how she is but she does like definitely just she's got a noticeable voice she yep. stands out i like her hell yeah
0: for mine, I wanted a you know strong, independent woman that won't take no sass from no one, <laughs> but also a actress that could is very emotive. So the the marionette version, just imagine any of the actions that I'm talking about okay. that the actor doing. It's just that would be translated into the marionette into version into
2: a marionette. And I I'm already so sold.
0: So very expressive. Also would know how to. What I love about this act comedic actress is she can fill a scene with negative space. Is knowing the time to not fill it with riffing and okay. just let it breathe a little bit because the s- silence and the awkwardness of it makes it funny as well okay. and knowing how to live in that space and that's a uh, kate mckinnon okay as, as uh ripley
2: <laughs> i just marionettes oh my god yeah a, a marionette gonna, kate gonna, mckinnon just is- floppy <laughs> arms running from
0: a, a xenomorph that's also like a marionette chasing behind
2: oh my god <laughs> my, my whole entire evening is just gonna be full of me just <laughs> shaking my head and trying to imagine these puppets now. <laughs> if we have I need a, it.
0: A listener with far too much time on their hands. Far and too much time. Professional marionette talents. Then we would love to see even a short scene
2: from Alien done in marionette. You can also just send me a marionette xenomorph. Yeah, and I will would love also you forever. That would be... make my entire life happy from now <laughs> be on.
0: So good. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Kate McKinnon okay. as my uh, Ripley for Dallas. Uh, who do you have for your curmudgeonly, lovable teddy bear man?
2: So. I just really, in thinking of Tarantino, I I was going with with line delivery, really, and thinking of some of the scenes and from his past movies and Alien, obviously, and of all people that I settled on for Dallas, I went with Don Johnson. No, I, okay. <laughs> which no, I like that. though. Which is a, it's a strange choice, but you've seen him in movies where he's kind of you know been sort of that leader figure, like just recently in the HBO, the Watchmen show as Judd. Um, But I mean- Talk about a comeback too. It it came from when he was cast in Machete. Yeah, he was in Machete. And and then then then, that just kind of like built
0: him back up again. Yeah, and you
2: think of like all his time in like Miami Vice. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very sharp contrast. But I went with Don Johnson and part of it was like, For whatever reason, I could not get the scene in Django out of my head with stupid KKK and like how. Oh my God. And I thought of them not being able to be like, see shit in their, in their, in the mask and the hoods that they'd made for them. And I just picture him in in the middle of this air vent and just, I can't see shit in this thing. Like, and for (laughs) whatever reason, it was stuck there and I couldn't get past it. And once you get it, yeah, no, uh, absolutely. So I went with Don Johnson.
0: I went with, for mine, I went with an actor that has absolutely played the mustachioed curmudgeon on on television. Uh, It's one of everyone's favorites. I really
2: hope you're going where I think you're going. Uh, This is
0: a man that knows how to paddle his own canoe. Uh, (laughs) He was in uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. He was Axe Cop in the animated series Axe (laughs) Cop in the movie The Founder, which was way better than I expected it to be. And mostly known as as his character in Parks and Recs. We're talking Nick Offerman.
2: Yes. Oh, I love him so much.
0: He's the best.
2: Uh, And now I need a puppet of that, too. Like, these are just things I'm going to need. A marionette Nick Offerman. I'm going to have to, like, take up whittling now. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) You know what? Nick Offerman could probably make a marionette of himself.
2: I bet he could.
0: He probably could. (laughs) Next up, we've got uh, Lambert. Lambert. Lambert.
2: So, uh, just not liking Lambert the way I did. Part of me really just adamantly wanted to cast her as like a Wilson volleyball from Castaway and be like that's my celebrity um it'll be just as useful. Um but instead I went with somebody that um definitely has the ability to have that sort of that sort of whiny feel but he also just kind of plays like a like a sort of weird character a lot of the times but also has a lot of range. I went with Sam Rockwell and I gender bent that one too. Okay. And I went with Sam Rockwell because I started thinking about okay, who would I really who would I really want to see that I would at least kind of enjoy the hilarity of them being sort of whiny that I think would probably be able to handle Tarantino. Or just an idiot. He plays
0: idiot really well. He does play idiot really well. Him in three billboards was incredible.
2: But I also thought of him very much in Galaxy Quest. Yes, absolutely. Also with Sigourney Weaver. So I was like, oh shit, now I can't get that out of my head. But like, you know he's he's gonna die. But you just watch him panic about it the whole time. And like his (laughs) meltdown about that was at least hilarious to me but it very much reminded me of that kind of par- panicky character in a movie, but it was just so much funnier to me to see him do it. And but he has also played some really weird roles. I, so he can be kind of quiet and subdued. like in Moon, that movie. Oh my God! I loved Moon, but it was very, very serious. It wasn't. It wasn't a funny movie. It was actually just dark. It
0: definitely had moments of humor, though. But that was it mainly did. just Sam Rockwell playing against himself. You couldn't yeah. help but laugh at some of those yeah. scenes. Yeah. Until it just got tragic towards yeah. the end. So
2: you know that he can be kind of a quiet, more subdued character. But I'd kind of like to see him mix that with Galaxy Quest a little bit, with just the panic of Do I even have a name? Do yeah. I? <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> His name was just Guy in the movie. I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, let's see. I went for my Lambert. I did not gender bend. I went with an actress who I absolutely adore, does not get nearly enough uh, screen time nowadays. And I just wondered what it would be like to be sexually attracted to a marionette. And this would oh, allow this to happen. And also I could see her playing kind of like a bitchier version of Lambert. Okay. And this one, which would play a little bit better, uh, funny wise in the scene is a marionette just like lots of hands on hips and also she looks kind of like a doll anyway Mm -hmm. i went with uh christina ricci (laughs) as lambert
2: (laughs) wow i you know i kind of like it yeah it's it's definitely she would be a bitchier lambert oh yeah for sure she she would be a bitchier lambert but i i like it though i i could see the hands on the hips is very much a thing that i would see happening but i feel like with a marionette it almost would kind of have a bobblehead oh for sure so it, she's got a large dome. <laughs> she does have yes. kind of a large head but it it would work really well i think yeah it would work for me very yeah. well uh, <laughs> i don't okay <laughs> you enjoy your puppet play i don't know be like pinocchio but in my pants no nope, nope? i'm gonna move okay. right, right on past yep. that yep. i'm gonna... <laughs> I like pinocchio but god damn it
0: <laughs> <laughs> a pants pinocchio if oh. you will oh
2: I'm gonna remember that phrase at a horrible time. I um,
0: might name the episode. Might name that, name yeah. that.
2: please. <laughs> name. Has nothing to do with alien. Just <laughs> yes, pants, Pinocchio. Yeah. You know what? I think you need to. <laughs> I think
0: so. <laughs> All right. So for our uh, next one, we've got uh, the Harry Dean Stanton originally played Brett. Mm-hmm. Um, who did you cast for yours?
2: So I went with Walton Goggins.
0: Ooh, nice.
2: <laughs> um, Love him so much. I, I do too. I feel like people probably know him mostly from Justified. Um, that was a that was a big one from him. But he was also in *Son
0: of the Anarchy*. He was yeah. in uh, oh a bunch of Django, stuff. Django. I mean, yeah. he was
2: in *Hateful Eight as <laughs> Chris Mannix. Um, but yeah, he's he's kind of always sort of like a borderline. He's he's not quite as as lovable as you think of Brett. Kind of keeping to himself. He's kind of like more in weird. your face and a little yeah. bit more abrasive. But he still got that weird quality to him. And Brett to me was just kind of weird, but still somehow you liked him. Yeah. And Walton Goggins, even when he's supposed to play kind of a douche, <laughs> you're yeah. like, what? okay, man, like, what? I don't know. I can't entirely hate you. I should. I, I don't know. Um. So, yeah, I went with Walton Goggins for that one.
0: I went with this actor for many of the same reasons that, mm-hmm. you know, He even when he plays an asshole, he's still lovable enough that you really want to root for him. Mm-hmm. And even when he's kind of being annoying, you're like, I really like this guy. Additionally, I just need to, in my life, see a marionette of this actor <laughs> Uh, in order to die happy like I think it's a bucket list item <laughs> oh, now. Okay, I feel like it's deeply important that I get a marionette version of Brett played a, uh, as played by uh, one Steve Buscemi.
2: Oh my god.
0: So speaking of Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: yeah. A yes. Veteran
0: of the Tarantino Steve marionette. Steve wow. Buscemi.
2: That is a thing I did not even know I needed yes, to see. Yes, absolutely need to see this. I'm so mad. This is, Oh, man. This is one of those
0: versions that I know is going to like haunt me because I want to <laughs> see it so badly. And no, it will never get made.
2: I, but I feel like maybe, just maybe, someone will feel inspired to make this happen. If, like, there's got to be someone Oh, listening. my God.
0: If we could just put this out into the universe, even if they're not listening right now, maybe it'll get to them eventually. Yeah. And like 20 years from now... That's just that it will slowly spread Ah. like a virus of like a marionette version of Alien with Steve Buscemi.
2: Oh, my gosh. I I need it so bad. (laughs) That was that's a solid pick. Yeah. If nothing else, because you're absolutely right. I need that as a marionette. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even know I needed it, but I do. The next one is Kane,
0: as played by John Hurt originally. Uh, Who do you got for your Kane?
2: Oh, so I went with Tim Roth.
0: No, Tim Roth is I, solid.
2: Tim Roth, I, one, I have such a, a hard love for Tim Roth. Um, Pulp Fiction, he was Pumpkin, Hateful Eight, Oswaldo Mowbray, probably one of the best names ever. Um, and then uh, Four Rooms, he was Ted the Bellhop. Um for this particular character, for whatever reason, I really want to imagine him as he was as Ted the Bellhop. Just really weird and twitchy okay. and kind of like... Better than him in uh, Hateful Eight because he was so slimy. He was and very he, slimy. Very slimy. Yes, yes. He, was, he was, a, was
0: amazing. I just expected him to go like, yes, every,
2: <laughs> yeah, every couple... Yes. 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 Yeah. I, like, yes. I keep... <laughs> no. So definitely not that style, but... Should have just had a mustache that he twirled in that movie really, because he was borderline. <laughs> but uh, but I, I'd kind of like to see him as, as jittery Ted the Bellhop style yeah, for whatever reason as Kane, I just I think it's <laughs> it just works perfectly in my brain in this version.
0: Do it absolutely <laughs> I went with for John Hurt's character Kane. Uh, I went with somebody that could be a little stammery maybe and uh, but definitely kind of that pretentiousness mm-hmm. absolutely could be played very well by this actor a uh, very tall actor, mm-hmm. British actor, well spoken. Breathes that intelligent vibe.
2: Ah!
0: Uh, I went for a very tall marionette version.
2: Okay.
0: Of one Bandersnatch Cumberbund. Perfect. <laughs> or Benedict Cumberna- Cumberbatch as Cumber-natch, the Cumbernatch
2: snatch whatever that one. <laughs> yes, as the plebs call
0: him. Yeah. Um, Bandersnatch Cumberbund, known from uh *Imitation Game*, 1917, that new film that yeah. I think is it. I don't know if it's out yet or. If it's
2: uh, ju- I think it is. I think it just think came it out. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, Doctor Strange, of course, and mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes, uh, the series, and The Hobbit, Bandersnatch, Cumberbund, is Kane, John right. Hurt's character.
2: That's That works. I like
0: it. And we're down to Ash, the android. Uh, who do you have for your Tarantino?
2: So the only person that I could pick that I loved as just an absolutely cold, calculated, sinister person that I remember... I mean, obviously, Tarantino films have a lot of those, but Christoph Waltz.
0: I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, he'd be fantastic. I mean, he's fantastic in pretty much anything. He he
2: really is. And even as like his softer, like, again, he seems to have more range than I think people give him credit for. So, I mean, obviously, he's in a lot of Tarantino films. He was in in *Inglorious Bastards as Hans Landa, which is probably one of the most Hated,
0: oh my god! so
2: well played, like villains, like deeply that charismatic, seen.
0: and yeah. you love watching him on screen as much as you love to hate the character. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a joy to watch.
2: He really is. So I mean that, and then he was also t- to contrast that he was in Django as well as Dr. Oh, Schultz, who I absolutely adorable, adored, loved him, loved him, and then also um, Alita. Most recently, he was in Alita as so well. Talk about a lovable character. Yeah, yeah, and he. So he, he's. An awesome actor, and it, but I love seeing his sinister. It's it's so hateable, and but just so great. <laughs> so yeah, Christoph Waltz.
0: Nice. I went with a uh, personal favorite comedic actor of mine, okay. a British actor who would jump at the chance to be in whatever version of an alien movie, I'm <laughs> sure, because he's a gigantic nerd. <laughs> I think he'd have a super good time with this role, uh, just kind of making it his own. With giving proper homage and he would overthink it to death especially mm. considering it's a fucking marionette version oh, but it would be super fun to cast simon Pegg as ash in uh in my marionette alien movie wow
2: I, these just keep getting better and better <laughs> yeah simon- oh
0: just wait till i get to parker oh god yeah um so <laughs> For your Parker, last one before we do our mashups, and uh, we're running a little long here. I uh,
2: definitely, I definitely went with Vin Ving Rhames, like thinking, Rames, yeah. thinking Tarantino films. Like, I really wanted to see him play this character. Um, I can see him with like the headband on,
0: and yeah, yeah and yeah. just being like, "Here's yep. your motherfucking food, motherfucker." Yep. Like, just,
2: I think he'd be perfect. Yeah, I love
0: it. <laughs> I uh, this one specifically, I was also thinking, well, a lot of them about how it would look as a marionette. <laughs> And so I was looking for you. (laughs) Yeah, I really was. I was looking for very actors and actresses that had a very specific look. You know, Mm -hmm. it's their own. They won't be confused as being anyone else besides themselves. And also big personalities that would translate into a marionette. Mm -hmm. And so I went with an actor that's primarily known for little small comedic roles in a lot of shows and everything like that. A comedian in his own right, uh, accomplished musician, uh, primarily known from comedy. Bang, bang. I went with Reggie Watts
2: wow if you're unfamiliar yeah. it's the
0: giant yeah. afro mm-hmm. uh, That's... gentleman that plays like every instrument ever yeah but i think primarily he's percussion he does I like th- drums and stuff i think, I think, think primarily so, yeah. Yeah. and he's hilarious he's so bizarre and i think he would be super fun in that he would role
2: yeah i like it especially
0: as a marionette
2: I, <laughs> with the big I, yes, hair I, just I,
0: oh that would be I, so much fun i
2: need all of you <laughs> i know I you're too. just you're kind of breaking my heart i know when we talk about it i, I, know. I need it to happen
0: <laughs> all right so that is our uh our cast list for yeah. for these roles now we have a couple of mashups and we're only gonna do a couple because uh we're running a little bit long on this episode which i knew we would <laughs>
2: sorry <laughs>
0: but the first one that i got from a listener was from uh chris porter we got a mashup with jurassic park wow and i can totally see that is you do basically jurassic park but with like Xenomorphs yeah. instead
2: yeah you just have Oh this will totally be fine we, have, we, we Haven't we have learned anything about, about this like you do the park How many times before you realize they're just gonna murder you like, Yeah uh, yeah okay yeah I could See that you just it, stick xenomorphs in there and hope for The best absolutely no. and then you have Ripley as like the
0: uh, Archaeologist character
2: yeah to be fair, I would be that person that would absolutely go to a Xenomorph park knowing <laughs> damn well they're probably going to rip my face off. But I could say that I've seen them in person at least once. True. So I'd definitely be one of the crowd goers at Margaritaville hanging out in the Xenomorph park. Like I'd, I'd do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, she'd be like the archaeologist and definitely trying to tell everybody that something's wrong. But no, nope, it's fine. Everything's fine.
0: Oh man, that'd be amazing! And yeah, Dallas would be the uh, the great white hunter character that the xenomorph pops out of the bushes right next to him, oh, and he goes like, oh, "Clever I... girl!" And...
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Although a stampede of xenomorphs is way more terrifying than horrifying. anything. Than, I don't care uh, what kind of dinosaur no. it is.
2: I would. I would. Yeah. That yeah. is utterly yeah.
0: Imagine like hundreds of xenomorphs running over a hill at you.
2: No thanks. No, I'm good. Yeah, I love them. I don't love them like that. Yeah, that's that's a
0: whole (laughs) lot. So, But yeah, that version though, like no one survives.
2: No, no. There's (laughs) no way you escape. You don't escape Xenomorph Park. That doesn't happen.
0: Which is one thing that I was thinking, and uh, this actually leans a little bit into a suggestion that our buddy Jack Mm. put in as an idea of what it would look like to be overrun with Xenomorphs where that's always kind of the worry of these movies is that... If they get out. Yeah. If they get into a major population, they will take over. They will become yeah. Legion yeah. and be unstoppable.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: no, I didn't mean to Sorry. mention Legion. I know. <laughs> Sorry. We're, we still I, have like flashbacks I'll, from the Terminator yeah, episode.
2: Yeah. Side, i side track if I think about that. But yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I think
0: a way for us to kind of see what that would look like is Jack's suggestion of uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Where you do the, basically the Starship Trooper story, but, with, but uh, with, xenomorphs. with Xenomorphs. Yeah.
2: Where it actually just gets out of control. And yep. You imagine I like them
0: it. looking at an old, like, busted up, like, stronghold that's been overrun, and then it's a trap, and then there's just
2: yeah, thousands every, of xenomorphs. Every, everything just goes wrong very, very quickly. And
0: just, like, <laughs> queen aliens popping out instead of the big bugs. and
2: just, oh, oh, man. That would be horrifying. That would be a very horrifying version of Star Trek Like, Trip machine
0: Troopers. gun firing eggs at people. Like. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, now it's not as horrifying. <laughs> no, now it's just, now so it's just sort of, yeah. yeah. But but I guess that kind of goes back with Star Trek It, it works that way. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, where it's just, uh, Starship Troopers was one of those things that just went bad really fast. And then you could definitely see that happening. If it just overran immediately, there's just no getting out of that.
0: Yep. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's just like, hopefully, an airdrop ship can just grab you. Yeah. before you die. And Hopefully.
2: Yeah, there's but no, there's always no... an alien that gets on there. Always. Always. Yeah. Always <laughs> an alien. One <laughs> always manages to get on. It's like in Zombie
0: Land. Is always check the back seat. Like yes. that's the same <laughs> thing with Alien. Where you just make sure you check the uh...
2: check the check the back door. It'd check the back door. Sure there's, sure, there's definitely an alien. an alien back there. Yeah. <laughs> there's one somewhere.
0: Just get in a biomech suit. Call it a bitch. Then you're done. <laughs> like then it's fine. You're totally fine after that. So uh, then let's do one more here. We've got. Uh, Let's do, I'm not sure how to do this one. Uh, Aaron suggested uh, Smokey and the Bandit as an option. <laughs> I'm, uh, not, <laughs> um, I'm just imagining like you just do it full comedic and you get yeah. the Xenomorph as uh, the Bandit and then you get Ripley as Smokey chasing the xenomorph <laughs> around or do you do it the other way where I, like i think it's maybe the other way it's where probably
2: do, the other way ripley I,
0: is the bandit and then Smokey is the xenomorphs like chasing him around
2: that is that's oh. my brain is having a lot of trouble wrapping around that Could it you, is it is a weird
0: a xenomorph with like a little little like cop hat on
2: oh my god driving a car like <laughs> you know this is Smokey. come on back <laughs> except it would just come out in a series of screeching <laughs> or it would just like
0: hold up the the uh the radio, and then accidentally, like, tongue punch it, like, into sh- and shatter <laughs> <tongue> it punch.
2: <laughs> with the tiny mouth. The tiny mouth, I got a tiny mouth,
0: <laughs> and the tiny mouth just shatters the radio.
2: Oh, god! <laughs> it's like every
0: time there's just a pile of dead, like, dead radios, dead radios over. <laughs> all over. Okay, it's like melting slowly from the little bit of acid that got on it. <laughs>
2: that's that's definitely a a strange twist yeah i can't yeah i can't imagine any other way to do that just putting them in cars and having them just go for it
0: (laughs) i am into it (laughs) all right i think we're at the point where we got to do our trailers okay all right so let me cue up the music
1: The legendary sci-fi series has been reimagined. What used to be a Ridley Scott vision has no strings to hold it down when directed by Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. This fall, the world needs saving. And the world is gonna rely on fucking marionettes. Alien. With Kate McKinnon as Ripley. Nick Offerman as Dallas. Christina Ricci as Lambert. Steve Buscemi in his illustrious marionette role as Brett. Steve Buscemi dolls available at local toy stores and Amazon.com through the Geeks of the link. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is Kane and then the evil android Ash played by Simon Pegg with special especially featuring Reggie Watts as Parker in space no one can hear you marionette
0: I didn't know what the action word for marionetting was (laughs) No one can hear you, puppet. No. I don't know. I don't know what to do there. I, I don't
2: know. <laughs> I, yeah, I think marionette was probably the best. I, I guess marionetting
0: is the act of using a marionette
2: in action. I, I. I mean, I. I don't know what else you'd say. I mean, what else do marionettes really do? Dang, dangle no yeah. one can hear you dangle that yes. doesn't, that seems worse <laughs> that sounds way <laughs> worse that is so much worse <laughs> oh, jesus yeah i think marionette was probably the best call <laughs> i think that's
0: probably the way to go holy <laughs> shit uh so yeah that that is my version of uh the marionette version of uh, of alien uh next up is miss manda doing your
2: some Thing.
0: You're doing a one of the mashups, I believe. So. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna go with it. Go with mashup. Let's give we're that gonna, a shot. I'm gonna advertise that mashup instead.
0: All right, here we go.
1: In a world where all amusement parks are lame and have lost their thrill,
2: bring yourself
1: to Xenomorph Park. The rides are scary. They'll have you grabbing your face or hugging it. <laughs> <laughs> Scream while something bursts from your chest. But it's just adrenaline. Come on down to Xenomorph Park.
0: <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> I
2: I don't know. I went more with advertising Xenomorph Park. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can see why you haven't been chosen to do the advertising no. for uh for Xenomorph Park. <laughs> no, cause... I
2: never should. I I there's not really much excitement about having things burst from your chest, <laughs> but but I'm not really sure where else to go with that. I'm. Uh...
0: Oh, i got more experience bursting on chests than out of. Uh, yeah.
2: Oh, that's ba-dum, probably ba-dum, good. Yeah. I, I think.
0: That goes back to Pants Pinocchio. <laughs> um, even the Christina Ricci doll. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me chest burst. Yeah.
2: Uh. Oh, God damn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Smack My Pitch Up. Uh, we... Try to release one every week. So definitely subscribe on all the places where you catch your pods, all your podcatcher apps, uh, Apple podcasts and the like, if you can rate and review us on the thing you use, please do. So, uh, rating us, reviewing us that helps us show up in the rankings a little bit more lets people get exposed to this weirdness that we do here on smack my pitch up. And that's kind of part of the fun is us Mm -hmm. getting new listeners and getting different insights from our listeners on what we should mash up with or what they liked or didn't like about the shows. So help us out. Rate and review. Do it. It would take you like a minute to do, and then that's it, and you don't ever have to worry about it again. Just, that's it. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Don't forget that holidays are coming, and with the holidays, it is a perfect time to get some GUI Network merch at TeePublic. podcast.com slash store to hit up merch for Smack My Pitch Up, for Geeks Under the Influence, for all the shows on the network, and all sorts of cool designs, including some holiday-specific designs that will be dropping very soon on the site. So, Thanks a lot. All the info for that and more is at GUI We'll see you next time. I'm Mike the Hobbit. And I'm Mandana Shremo. And you just got Pitch
1: Smacked. GUI Podcast.com. <laughs>